The retirement and IRA show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier and Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. This is the Retirement and IRA Show coming to you from beautiful northern Colorado. Join us as certified financial planner Jim Saulnier, as well as Colorado State University finance instructor and certified financial planner Chris Stein, teach you about IRAs, 401ks, annuities, social security, pension plans, and estate planning in a fun and enjoyable show. Whether you are listening live in Colorado or streaming from their website or iTunes podcast, Jim and Chris want you to know that they're available to help you plan for your retirement. Just visit their website at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. And click the Meet the Team button on the homepage. Now here's Jim and Chris with today's show. Hello, welcome to the Retirement and IRA Show EDU edition for this week. This is, uh, I believe, to be the final EDU show for celebrating National Annuity Awareness Month. So we kind of left a teaser last week on the show that... Did you want to play a bunch of clapping? No, we haven't gone quite long enough for me to be that excited about it, but okay. I, th- I think I've had plenty of annuities for a while. <laughs> um, but uh, probably because I know it's coming to an end, I'm not that worried about doing one more show. And the teaser last time was we were going to talk about is it ever appropriate to own an annuity inside an IRA because there is kind of some... I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't call it advice, but maybe a um, a rule of thumb out there in the finance world that one should avoid buying an annuity inside of an IRA. Um, and I think we're going to discuss a little bit when it might be appropriate, when it, uh, you know, what are the pros and cons? Because this is definitely one of those decisions where it's not a an absolute, you know, thou shalt not or thou shalt always. It's definitely not one of those there's going to be nuances like most things in retirement planning that depending on the circumstances, it could make sense to go left or go right, you know, whichever direction makes sense for that particular case. So um, Jim's with me, as you heard, jumped in a little bit earlier than normal. Normally you have your microphone muted for an extended period of time. And then true. uh, So thanks for, for hopping in today and I'm excited to uh, bring June to an end. Because of the month of June or because it's Nudity Awareness Month? National well, Nudity Awareness I'm Month. Getting, I'm getting kind of sick of June. I'm ready for a new month. <laughs> well, I will say, folks, we're not going to be able to get, unfortunately, to all the annuity questions. I was really surprised the amount of annuity questions we got. And there's a lot of great topics that I want to talk about. So I'm toying with the idea of cutting Chris's Social Security questions from two to one and we do one Social Security, one annuity question. Well, you're talking about the next up. show. Today yeah. is the EDU yeah, show. No, I know, but I'm just oh, letting everyone okay. know what I'm thinking. Okay. So that's an option to get through some of these annuity questions. Since Social Security and annuities, at least the annuities that we like, income annuities, are very similar. They're, they're, 
both from the same breed and that they offer a lifetime stream of guaranteed income. So I'm toying with the idea of it. So if you send questions in and you're thinking, oh, gosh, there's only one more. This is the last EDU, and then he's got one more Q&A, and my questions aren't going to get answered. Uh, I think, Chris, the, the amount that we've received is probably indicative of the desire that our listeners have to learn. And that's very, very commendable. And that's what Chris and I are just asking you to do. Don't love annuities. Don't hate annuities. Just learn about them. That's all. Because remember, folks, the decision is not yours to make. I can't stress that enough. And, and we, we talk about this a lot. And it does have to do with annuities. So bear with me here. Because... What I simply want people to know is what you're trying to do by listening to this podcast. You're not listening to it to master the English language, not with me on this show. So you're certainly not listening for it for, for that type of value. You're listening to this because you want to learn. We, we teach. We try to have fun on this show, but we also try to teach. And one of the things I want you to know is you're contemplating and programming and writing spreadsheets and doing all this for your own retirement is retirement planning can be dumbed down to a seesaw. I know you know where I'm going with this, Chris, so I'm going to throw the ball to you. Hopefully you mm. can hit this one out of the park. What do I mean that retirement planning can be dumbed down to a seesaw? Well, it's really a negotiation between the younger you and the older you as far as consuming your resources. There's only so many resources you have as you enter retirement. And the more the younger you utilizes, the less there is for later and vice versa. That's the seesaw, the teeter-totter, the up and down, if you will, trade-off. And it's a negotiation, um, you know, fortunately with yourself, essentially. You just have to be able to put on that other hat. You have to put on the, the older you hat and look at things through the eyes of the older you and uh, give them a voice in this because you're making decisions as a young retiree, relatively young, right? You know, your first couple years of retirement is, is kind of infancy for you as retirees. Um, and, you know, you've, you've got an obligation to, to let them comment, you know, let that older you have a say at the table in, in what happens. Because if they're still around when the older you, you know, arrives, uh, which is hopefully the case that you've got a nice long horizon, time horizon in your retirement, um, they will appreciate that the younger you uh, paid some attention to them and, and took some steps to take care of them in a certain way. And if you take care of them, um, you know, decently, they then will give the younger you permission to go have some fun while you're young enough and, and healthy enough and active enough to do those things. And, but it's all on that teeter-totter, the up and down of the trade-off. Exactly. So, oh, wait a minute. Did I hit it out of the park or just first base or um, what? I give you a ground root double on that. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. Okay. Ground root double? That's not bad. Yeah. It's on the stat sheet, I guess. It is. You made it. Extra bases. That counts. <laughs> At least you're not playing for the Red Sox. It's all I can say. My beloved team is in the basement of the American League East. Mm. But Cincinnati, my adopted team, who was vilified last year uh, for getting rid of some of their best players, uh, is in first place. So uh, back in Cincinnati, they're, they're all ecstatic and happy over that. So good for them. Hope they can keep it going. Uh, but, yeah, they're in first place, and, and my Red Sox are in last place. 
Anyways, where I'm going with this, folks, is that older you, younger you dynamic is what retirement planning is all about. Retirement planning is essentially the fulcrum of that seesaw. And it is truly a balance where you're trying to take care of the older you, but placate the younger you. And to balance that on that fulcrum is what retirement planning is all about. Annuities are just a tool that you can use to take care of the old you, that promise. Remember, we always say it is a explicit promise for implicit permission. You're going to give the older you an explicit promise that their food, utilities, transportation, housing, and health care expenses will be satisfied, whether you have money or not, with lifetime guaranteed income. Now, that's our version, our vision, I guess is a better way of saying it, of what a perfect retirement should be. But we fully acknowledge many of you, probably the vast majority of you, are loath to satisfy any shortages in your minimum dignity floor funding between your Social Security and pension, if you even have any anymore. There's usually a shortage, if not initially, then definitely between 75 and 82. We talk about this all the time. Not, excuse me, 78 and 83. I don't know how I said 75 and 82. 78 and 83, that five-year window, if you will, is when most people begin to suffer a shortage in secure income. That initially, when both their Social Securities, if they're a married couple, or their Social Securities and pensions, if they have any, turn on, most people can be covered, not all. But most people can be covered to about 78 to 83. So it's that 78 to 83-year-old who's probably going to be the one to make the decision. You simply have to promise the older you on the other end of the seesaw that they will have the assets. And it'll be their decision to decide if they want to buy an annuity to satisfy that income stream or not. Our job in this whole series of shows is just to teach you about them. It's not to push them. We like them. We favor them. We believe in them. Not just for the guaranteed income, but for the simplicity, especially for those of you who worry at your death, your spouse is not going to be able to understand the finances as good as you do. We see that quite often. The simplicity of a lifetime stream of guaranteed income as your brain is aging and you're starting to forget things, which we all do. I'm going to be 60, as Chris reminded me yet again today. I'm going to be 60 in, gosh, I don't even want to say, but... Just a few days. More than a few days. I got a couple weeks. Don't push it. But I've been saying I'm 60, folks, since last year. I figure the best way to prep myself for a new decade is to just start saying I was 60 when I was 59. I think that used to tick, uh, still ticks Rachel off more than me because I'll introduce myself as 60 and she has to correct that I'm only 59. But I figured by saying I'm 60 for the past year, 
when it happens, which I know Chris is going to relish in and make fun of, there'd be no big deal. I'll be used to it. But my point, folks, already, I can see, and I've had other people confirm with me, so it's not just my stroke or, or me. But there's times where sometimes, folks, I swear to you, I'll be in my kitchen cooking or washing the dishes and thinking, okay, I got to go get paper towels. And I know the paper towels are in my back room. And I dry my hands and I walk into the back room and I'm, what the hell did I come in the back room for again? I got to think for a second. Oh, paper towels. Or sometimes I can't even remember. And I turn back around, I walk into the kitchen as soon as I see the counter, oh, paper towels. And I remember talking when I was in Washington, D.C. for the Ed Slot program, Chris, and I met, I think, three or four different people in that time frame. And I told that story to a couple of them, and they confirmed to me, Jim, it's not you. <laughs> We're doing the same thing. That's the beginning, folks, of aging. I'm not naive. I feel it in my body. I've been complaining for the past six, seven weeks now. I can't remember because of my back. Did you notice I was moving better today, Chris? Well, other than walking around with a bum foot with your shoelaces untied, well, which I is had... what led to the comment about being 60. <laughs> I was walking around with my shoe untied, folks, because I had a bruise on the top of my foot. I don't know how. See, I'm old. I can't remember how I got the, the injury. And it was right where the knot was under the tongue of the shoe. And it just was annoying. So I untied my shoe and I've been walking around with an untied shoe. And Chris was so concerned about me falling down the stairs, he had to remark that I'm not young anymore. I can't fall down the stairs. Do you remember that? Because I, I do. Okay, well, I do. I have no problem with my <laughs> short-term memory, so I remember that vividly. But you will. And my point, folks, is I can sense it in my body and I can sense it in my mind when I'm in the back room and I can't remember when in there for paper towels. I know in 10 more years when I'm 70, 10 years after that when I'm 80, I am not going to be as sharp and astute as I am now. And some will argue, especially again, if you're looking for the mastery of the English language, you know I've never quite mastered that. I'm not going to be as smart in finance as I am now. And, and I still think I'm as smart in finance as I was 10 years ago. I think I'm smarter than I was 20 years ago because I didn't know 20 years ago what I know today. But I don't think in 10 years, folks, I'm going to know as much as I know today. Or we'll be able to recall it as quickly. Or be able to speak as rapidly I was going to say sharply, but I don't speak as sharply as I probably want. But I can speak rapidly. If anybody listens to this podcast, you know, I got no problem talking. Shutting up? Yes, I have a problem with that. Talking? Not so much of a problem. But I don't know in 10 years if I will. Everyone listening, you are going to fall victim to that. There's no denying it. And at some point, a steady stream of lifetime income and not the notion that, oh my God, I might pass away and the 400000 I put into that annuity is lost. Who cares? You're dead. And we're going to talk today that there are ways around that if you do care. And we'll get into that after we talk about annuities and IRAs because they're going to segue into the two of each other. But you are going to appreciate that bottomless cup of coffee with a lifetime stream of guaranteed income. Again, like last week, I have my iced Starbucks coffee here. I can't hold it up because it's actually quite full right now. But I know this coffee has to last me until I drive home. And it's like 90-something outside today. It's the hottest day of the year so far, the summer so far. 
And I have to make this coffee last through this recording, through winding down at the office and driving home. Because it's not going to be automatically refilled, I'm drinking it slowly. If this was a bottomless cup of coffee, i.e. an income annuity that paid me money till I die, I wouldn't mind spending it. I would care less if the coffee spilt over and fell. There'll be more in a little while. Having a guaranteed stream of income goes a long way to making you emotionally feel comfortable spending on those totally discretionary fun items. It's the whole concept of the fun number, the see-through portfolio, the fun number, the go-go phase of the fun number. We can help you calculate that, but if emotionally you can't stand to see your portfolio drop, you can't extract yourself from the accumulation phase to the decumulation phase fast enough. If it takes years, and for some of you it will, it'll take three, four, five, six years before you finally realize, oh my God, I'm retired and I'm going to die. I want to spend this money. And it might be too late then. Your go-go phase may be almost over. Or you could get off the couch at 3 o'clock in the afternoon like I did November 20th of 2020. And 30 minutes later have a massive stroke in your barn, in your backyard. And your life is over in a heartbeat. Well, mine's not over. I lived. But it could have been over in a heartbeat if I was paralyzed. And as I told you, the doctors are amazed I'm not. I'm amazed I'm not because I was paralyzed for almost 48 hours. So the idea of the annuity is to help you feel comfortable spending your money on fun, knowing and guaranteeing your spouse, if they're not involved in this, will have an easy setup. Prepping for when the forgetfulness of paper towels manifests into something maybe worse in your 80s? I don't think I'm going to be sharp in 20 years as I am now. I don't know what my 80s are going to bring, but I don't think I'll be as sharp as I am now. I see it in my father. Annuities serve many purposes. Don't fixate so much on, oh my God, if I die, I won't get all my money back. What if you live and you never spent on fun because you were too petrified because you didn't quite believe you weren't going to need these assets later? Remember, one of the things my dad said when he was in the retirement community, he's now in a retirement home, uh, sadly, but he is, and a whole other story for another day. I'm trying to get someone to go take him out a couple of days a week, Chris, because I can't be there, but I can hire someone to be there. What a royal pain in the you-know-what, folks, trying to get a nursing home to approve someone who's not a family member to take an elderly person out who is not incapable of making his own legal decisions. It's really ticking me off. I'm ready to hire an attorney. But anyways, that's a story for another day. What you have to understand is the annuities are going to be able to accomplish more. Don't fixate on the dollar amounts. I know it's important. You engineer VG accumulation type people. I'm not downplaying the importance of money. 
But for everyone who says, I might die and leave money on the table, there's going to be just as many of you who live far longer than average life expectancy. Annuities are based on average life expectancies. Research this, folks. People who have higher net worths live longer than average life expectancies because you generally take care of yourself better and you have the assets to get better health care. The chances of you dying too soon are there, yes. But the chances of you getting all your money back and living longer are also there. But people only fixate on the negative side. I might die before getting all my money back. As opposed to saying, I could live and get more back than I put in. Like the woman, I can't remember her age when she bought that second. I know she died at 98. I shared the story last time. She tapped on the table like that. And said to me, I can beat that when she saw the break-even period, which was age 92. I forget how old she was when she bought it. And she beat it. It was either 92 or 94. I forget. I can't remember the exact I can look it up. But I always will remember. I don't want to say her real name, Georgette. And I miss that client. She was a client of mine for over a decade. And I would go to her house, and she's just such a lovely woman. She, she was ornery, though. Oh, my goodness. She... Oh, she was ornery in the sense politics. She took politics very seriously. And one day she was on the phone with Vanguard, all you Vanguard VG. She was a Vanguardian. And oh, did she give that Vanguard rep a piece of her mind. I won't get into what she was upset with on Vanguard. But I was there at her house when she was firing away at them. But my point is she lived long enough, Chris. She got all her money back and then some. But she also told me if she died and didn't have it all, she didn't care anymore. She got to that age eventually, folks, where that didn't matter. And I think most people listening to this, you will get to that age as well. She wanted and relished simplicity in her late 80s and 90s. She didn't want complexities. She didn't want a bond ladder. She didn't want to have to deal with any of that. She didn't understand it. But she understood the annuity. Okay, that's my preach again on annuities. Let's dive in, Chris. Do you rem- Eventually, if you're dealing with annuities, you're going to have to cross a threshold of buying one inside a qualified account, otherwise known as an IRA, 401k, 403b, 457s, things like that. Even the government themselves have acknowledged the importance of annuities inside 401ks, and they made it easier. And that was one of the email questions we got, and I'll try to address it in the future. What about annuities that are supposed to start coming out in 401ks? What do I think of those? Annuities will eventually be considered by most of you, the older you, the other end of the seesaw, and you'll probably be faced with buying one inside an IRA. And there's a lot of misinformation on that. You'll hear a lot of advisors telling you, don't, it's an IRA, don't buy an annuity. It's the stupidest thing to put an annuity inside an IRA. That is an ignorant advisor. I'll say it right off the bat. Pull no punches there, folks. And the reason I'll say that's an ignorant advisor is because they're only fixated on one aspect of an annuity. An annuity during the deferral phase grows 
tax deferred. So we're talking a non-qualified, an annuity outside of an IRA. As it accumulates money during the deferral phase, you don't pay taxes on it until you remove it. We reviewed that earlier in this series. So the thinking goes, why would you put something tax deferred inside a wrapper, an IRA, inside a wrapper that itself is tax deferred? They say that's a double negative. It cancels out. You should never have an annuity inside an IRA. That is most likely an ignorant advisor or an advisor who doesn't want your money leaving their management and going somewhere else where they can't manage it. So they say, don't do it. If you are buying an annuity inside an IRA for tax deferral, I agree with those advisors. Don't do it. That's ridiculous. But an annuity, Chris, I'll say this again. I'm going to not throw you under the table because you are definitely going to hit the leather off the ballpark in this one. Is an annuity an investment? No, sir. It is a... In a, an insurance product. It's an insurance product. There's hybrid ones called variable. We'll get into those. But it's an insurance product. If the insurance you are looking for is either lifetime stream of guaranteed income or principal protection, why can't your IRA provide either of those two to you? Well, they should. A lot of you did a really good job saving, but you did a really bad job saving as well. What's the bad job, Chris? I know you have no idea where I'm going no, with this, but sometimes, I know you're going to get this as well. Sometimes the bad job is you didn't anticipate the benefits or appreciate the benefits of future uh, income tax diversification, we'll call it, or having a nice uh, tax profile on your accounts. And you ended up a little heavy in what we call always taxable accounts, all that uh, deferral, which you appreciated at the time as you deferred income recognition on all those tax returns as you accumulated your funds. Uh, then you wake up one day and you have a whole bunch of that deferred money and it's all got to be taxed as it's used. And um, uh, that can be a bit of a downside, right? But uh, I like to look at things glass half full. You just have to always remember all of the tax deferred benefits that you experience. Don't ignore those. But you might be in a situation now where you've got to pay the piper, right? You've got to deal with that. And that's, um, you know, a, a very common occurrence now because a lot of us uh, took advice 30 years ago to defer, 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 defer. And uh, many people did a good job of that. And, um that's great, but not a lot of tax diversification. Right. So you have a lot of your money, 80, 85, 90. We've seen 90 plus percent always taxable in some people we work with. There's not much tax diversification there. We can do tax planning with them. We can do advanced analysis, and we do withdrawal analysis, conversion analysis, charitable strategies with CRTs or things like that. But you've got all of your wealth tied up. Does that mean, oh, God, I can't put an annuity inside an IRA so I can't have lifetime guaranteed income? Silly me. I have all my money in an IRA. Or I can't have principal protection. In a rising interest rate environment, I have to watch my bonds drop in value. I can't go purchase a MIGA, multi-year guaranteed annuity, which will protect my principal have probably a three, four, or five-year term, but pay me interest rates higher than the 10-year government bond. No, I can't do that. It's inside an IRA. That's silly. 
But if the only reason you're buying an annuity is tax deferral, yes, I agree. It's stupid to buy it inside an IRA. It's already tax deferred. So that's what I mean. The people who just push blanketly, never buy an annuity inside an IRA, I have to believe there's an ulterior motive for them saying that, and it's because that's where the money is. It reminds me of Willie Sutton. You know who Willie Sutton is, Chris? I should, because that name sounds familiar. You should. Why do you rob banks? To get the money? No, Willie Sutton. He was the famous guy from the 1930s in the Great Depression. He's the one who gave the Slick Willie. That's how we have the word Slick Willie now. Willie Sutton, because he always got away. When asked by a reporter when they finally caught him, why did he rob banks? He was alleged to have said, because that's, that's where, all the where the money is. The money is. Yeah. Okay, I remember that. So where you probably going to have to put your annuity inside your IRA? Why, Chris? Because that's where the money is. That's where the money is. So that's what I wanted to say about annuities inside IRAs. I have nothing against them. I have everything against advisors who just blame or people. You do it yourselfers who just blanketly say for no apparent reason, nope, never put him inside an IRA. I don't get it. What do you mean? You can't have principal protection in a rising interest rate environment? You can't lock in. Remember last year, you could have locked in a four-year MIGA at 6%. He can't get it anymore. But at that time, you could. You're going to say, oh, no, the money's in my IRA. I can't put an annuity inside my IRA because someone told me it was stupid. You could have had a 6% yield with no interest rate risk for four years. Same thing with lifetime guaranteed income. Oh, gosh, I, I need $20,000 a year adjusted for 3% growth for the rest of my life, but I can't get that. I wish I could. Well, gee, why, George? You have no money? Oh, no, I got plenty of money. It's inside an IRA. And I can't put an annuity inside an IRA. Silly folks. You all know that. Okay. So let's start looking at these different types of annuities to use for income. Chris and I say all the time, we like what kind, Chris? Income annuities. Income annuities. Single premium immediate annuities because they're the simplest, most straightforward, purest of all annuities. But they have a couple of major downsides, the biggest of which, I know you can guess this, Chris, not even guess. You know the answer. What's the biggest negative to annuities? Uh, single premium immediate annuities. Well, the biggest downside the public perceives is the lack of access to the money anymore, that you give that up and you get the income stream. And if you don't live long enough, you may not get all your money back. Exactly. That's what it is. You don't hear too many people saying that about Social Security. Maybe some of you will think of it because you are do-it-yourself for Vanguardian engineer types, but the average Joe, they don't think of it. That 78-year-old woman I bought strawberries for 28 years ago now, or however, I think it was even longer than that, that changed my life forever. She didn't preach to me in the parking lot that she hated Social Security because if she died and didn't get all her money back, she hated it. No, she loved Social Security. She just... Had to wait 10 more days for her check. And she couldn't afford the strawberries until then. But that is a massive negative. And Chris and I don't make light of that. That's why we tell you, 
Let the older you decide if you want to buy it, not you. Let them decide. Just like that woman in her 80s who, who bought several spears through my firm. She ladded them. She didn't want one big one, and I had no problem with that. She bought one, and I forget, X amount of years later, she bought a second. X amount of years later, she bought a third. She only bought three. But she laddered the purchases. She had no problem doing that. I'll give you another story about annuities. There was a time back in 08 when, did you work? For, I don't think you were working with me then. When mm. you would walk into, it was the quote-unquote carriage house. It was oh, yeah. really a garage. Were mm-hmm. you at the carriage house? Yep. Okay. So you know when you used to walk in that door, it went right into my office. Yeah. It was the weirdest thing. You walked True. into my office. And the admin office was in the back instead of the other way around. I remember once a gentleman, again, we'll call him George, worked for a corporation in the Fort Collins area, which I won't name, and got laid off in 08. Perfect timing to be laid off, was it not, Chris? Yeah. 08 got laid off when all hell is breaking loose with the market. All hell is breaking loose. He was in his 60s. He thought he would work till 70. Mm-hmm. He came, I can't even remember how he came to see me. We did the analysis. We, we ran the numbers. We showed him he'll be okay, but he's still panicking. He had to put... I don't know the exact dollar amount, folks, but it was between two hundred and thirty and two hundred and eighty thousand into an annuity to give him the income stream that he needed in addition to his social security to take care of his minimum dignity floor. I'll always remember this, Chris. The day it came for him, this is going back to oh eight. It was might have been oh nine by now, by the time we finished everything. So it wasn't done all electronically like it is today. He came to the office to sign the paperwork, folks. I think I've shared this story before. When he walked into my office, he looked at me, and the first thing you saw was me. Just literally, Chris has been, my desk was right there. And he looked at me and he said, Jim, this isn't easy. And I looked at him, and I'm thinking, my mind back then even, I was thinking a hell of a lot faster than it does now, folks. And I thought, here we go. He's going to have a problem. Let's just say it was 250. I can't remember the amount. It was between 230 and 280. So my mind is thinking, oh, here we go. He's, he's going to feel uncomfortable putting $250,000 in this income annuity, and, and that's not easy. That's what I'm thinking. Do you remember the one-word answer he gave me, Chris? said retirement. Exactly. You remember the story. He looked at me, folks, and he said, retirement. And then he went on to say to me, I don't know how long I'm going to live. I don't know what's going to happen with the Marcus. Because again, and this was by now 09, but nobody knew 09 was the bottom, folks. Everybody thought it was still going to go down. I don't know how much more the markets are going to go down. I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact conversation. And he just went on to list. I don't know how much I can spend. This isn't easy and retirement was supposed to be fun. He really was still freaking out. And I remember saying to him, George, that's what we're trying to do. And he said, I know. I can't wait 
till I start getting my first check. He was getting monthly checks on his annuity. My first check. And he carried through with the entire purchase. And I remember sharing with him later. We became fairly good friends. And I remember saying to him later that story. And I says, you know, George, in my mind, I thought you were going to tell me buying the annuity was hard. And gosh, how old was I in 08? Wow, I was young. Oh, I was in my 40s. Oh, my Lord, I'm old. So yes, in my 40s, I'm sitting there thinking myself, and I'm an advisor. Wow, putting a quarter of a million dollars into an annuity, that, that's got to be hard. George told me that was easy. He had no problem doing it because he wanted the safety, the security, the simplicity, everything. He really believed in that. And that's what George ended up doing, was buying the income stream. Okay, so how can you, what are the different types of annuities when it comes to an income stream? So let's look at this. We all know that there's two phases of an annuity. Do you know the two phases, Chris? The deferral phase and the annuitization phase. Correct. Deferral phase is often called the accumulation phase or the deferral phase. Chris is correct. And the payout phase. Do all annuities mandate you annuitize, Chris? Uh, I believe at some point, at some age, they do, yes. Very good. That was the answer I was not looking for, but Chris is correct. I wasn't going that way. So let's back that up. There are no mandated, if you buy an annuity, it's not like, oh, your money's locked up. You have to annuitize. They stay fully flexible. I don't want to say liquid because there are penalty phases when you first buy them, and we'll share a little bit on our thoughts on those. There are penalty phases when you first buy them. They don't want you treating these like a bank account. You want in on Monday, out on next Tuesday. They don't want that. That's not what they're designed for. But there is the phase where the money sits there and grows. And as we already shared, if it's not inside an IRA, it can grow tax deferred. And then there's the phase where the payout happens. They don't force you to take a payout, they being the government. There are no RMDs from annuities. They are considered a retirement account. That's why there's a 10% early withdrawal penalty. If you close an annuity and take the money out before 59 and a half, you will pay taxes on any growth and a 10% penalty. Not on the money you put in, just on the growth. But the government doesn't force you to take RMDs like they do with traditional qualified retirement accounts. But there is a law in the tax code that says eventually you have to annuitize the account. That's the annuitization date. If you're thinking of holding an annuity a very long time, and there was a listener's question, his mom, I think, was in her 80s and had an annuity, and he thought he was going to inherit it, and I warned him, you need to find out when that annuitization date is. And if it's within the life expectancy of your mom, you might want to look now while you still have time to moving it to another annuity with a longer annuitization date. This date can be as long as 120. Most will be somewhere in your 90s. Some it'll be in the early 100s, like around 100, but they can go later. 
That's just the forced date that you have to annuitize. They're not going to force you. They're going to tell you you can close this and leave or annuitize. Right. But that is very, very far into the future. But it is a date you should know on any annuity you purchase and intend to hold. If you're buying a three-year MIGA and you're 63, don't even worry about it. Even if you're 83, you probably don't have to worry about it. If you're 90, you probably won't even be able to buy it at 90. But even if you could, yes, you might want to make sure the annuitization date uh, is not within that three-year hold. Okay. In the accumulation phase, that's where money is accumulating. There's two types, fixed and variable. A fixed annuity just pays a guaranteed interest rate. We talked about this before. The interest rates can be set every year. That's called the declared rate. Every annuity will have a declared rate, and every annuity will have a guaranteed minimum interest rate. What's the guaranteed minimum interest rate, Chris? On a fixed annuity. Well, it's just what it says. It's the guaranteed minimum rate that you'll earn. Right. Simple as that. So you have the declared rate, which is always higher than the guaranteed minimum. You have the guaranteed minimum rate. And remember, the declared rate on a traditional fixed annuity will reset every year. The insurance company will tell you every year. It could be higher, it could be lower. But it'll never be lower than the guaranteed minimum. And right now, it's attractive that some guaranteed minimums are, the highest I've seen so far is 2.85%. It's a pretty good guarantee for as long as you own this. That's the minimum. You can always get more, but that's the minimum. A MIGA, multi-year guaranteed annuity, is just a fixed annuity, but the declared rate is guaranteed for whatever term you got, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years. They're just saying, for those years, we guarantee the interest rate will be this. But it's still a fixed annuity. A variable annuity is where I'm going with this. These are very, very common in the accumulation phase. Now, I will concede back to the advisor that might be telling you you're a fool to buy an annuity inside an IRA. I will agree with them if it was being purchased just for tax deferral or if you are buying a variable annuity inside an IRA without any type of income benefit. Mm -hmm. I will concede with that advisor you're a fool to do that. Because variable annuities are the annuities, they're the chows. They're the little yappy dogs. The two types of dogs I don't like. Those little yappy ones that never shut up. And chows. There's something about chows. I don't know. Purple tongues, weird looking eyes. Red rum, red rum, red rum, red rum. You know, that's all those chows are thinking. They just scare me. I think they look cute, but... Keep me away from it. When I see a chow, I do freak out. Or spiders. And I saw, I think, someone told me it was a wolf spider I saw. There was this massive spider as I was running at, at Macintosh Lake. Chris, I mean, I'm talking this thing. It was like a paintbrush. I, it, it was huge. And there was this blackbird, a red-winged blackbird. And they, the, the spider is like on his back legs. And the blackbird is, is pecking at it, trying to, I guess, kill it or eat it. And I swear there were little babies on it. It was the free, I'm arachnophobe. I just freaked the hell out. I was running out of there with jazz hands filling, yeah. screaming like a 12-year-old girl. I'll, I'll bet you like that one, yeah. Oh, my Lord, it was scary looking. But anyways, I digress. See how I can go down these little digressions? Mm-hmm. 
So back to variable annuities. That's where you get all the complexity and a lot of the cost. If you are only buying, if someone is telling you to buy this variable annuity and there's no other benefit to it, they might try to sell the death benefit and tell you, hey, if you buy this variable annuity and you die with the account balance below what you put in, you'll always get out at least what you put in. That's the death benefit. If that's the only reason, I'm cautious on that because any investment inside that variable annuity is most likely available in its purest ETF or mutual fund version. Remember, any investment inside a variable annuity is called a sub-account. And it looks like a mutual fund, has the same name as the mutual funds, maybe even the same managers as the mutual fund, but it's not a mutual fund. The fee structure in the sub-accounts inside a variable annuity are higher than you can get on your own because the variable annuity is actually paying the insurance company to be listed in their product. It's called revenue sharing. That's being disclosed to you on a 100-plus page prospectus that you will get and not read. The investments inside a variable annuity are not there because they're the best. They're there because they are paying the insurance company to be there. Now, some insurance companies have woken up to this, and they do put some Vanguard funds in there. And in defense of Vanguard, they still refuse to this day, and I think they always will refuse to revenue share. They never do. But you can probably buy that same Vanguard true ETF outside of the sub-account wrapper of the variable annuity, even cheaper than what you can get inside the variable annuity. But the idea of a variable annuity, folks, is to grow your wealth. I don't see the benefit of owning a variable annuity with no other income benefits or anything built into it inside an IRA. You mind, if it's just the death benefit, it's not enough for me to, to get excited over. You're better off just holding the investments outside of the annuity. And the insurance industry woke up to that. And about, gosh, now, I would say 20 years ago now, maybe a little mm-hmm. bit less, they came out with what, Chris? They came out with variable annuities with income benefits. Right. Called living benefits. Yeah, true. Variable annuities mm-hmm. always had death benefits. That was the insurance You buy a variable annuity, you're going to get a death benefit. If you die and the annuity is worth less than you put in, we'll make you whole. And then when that lost its luster, to give you a little history, folks, on death benefits, when that lost its luster, they came out with highest anniversary value. What does that mean, Chris? That means the not only are they going to protect what you put in, they're going to review the balances of those sub-accounts on a periodic basis, maybe annually or some other period, and will kind of set a high watermark, if you will, and and kind of protect that high watermark. And, you know, it's so it's better than just protecting what you put in. It'll kind of maintain or ensure some of your potential gains. Correct. So they called it the highest anniversary value. Mm-hmm. So every year on the anniversary of your annuity being opened, they would look at the account balance. If it was higher 
then what you put in, that becomes the new protected death benefit. And it can keep stepping up if the annuity keeps growing. And that way, they were trying to battle the fact that if you bought a variable annuity five, eight, ten years later, you probably have enough growth in there that you could weather any type of market correct, reasonable market correction and still die with more than what you put in, yet you're paying for a death benefit forever. And at that point, the death benefit was worthless. So to battle that in the regulators, they started stepping it up. Okay, that's nice, but still, not enough of a reason for most people to buy a variable annuity inside an IRA. Why did the insurance company want to start getting variable annuities inside an IRA, Chris? (laughs) Because that's where the money is. Because that's where the money is. (laughs) Willie Sutton, Slick Willie. So they came out with what is called living benefits. Now, they'll tell you they came out with it to solve the annuity puzzle. I say they came out with it to be able to go to where the money is. But let's give them the benefit of the doubt. What's the annuity puzzle? I'm throwing real hard. This is a fastball at you. Can mm, you yeah. hit, See, handle? I've been. I was about to tell you, you're really running risk throwing me these random <laughs> <laughs> questions Chris about annuities. Chris does not annuities. do annuities here in the office, folks. Can you figure out what the annuity puzzle is, though, without Googling it? You know, I've heard the phrase, and at some point... I it's knew, an academic phrase. I knew what that meant, but... Uh, um, I think you've got me stumped on this one. The annuity puzzle is why don't people buy annuities? Oh. It's, I mean, it's as so simple as that. I was overthinking that. it. You were overthinking it. If people envy pensions, right. why don't they envy annuities? Yep. If people share that they wish they had a lifetime stream of income, but when given the opportunity to buy one, they don't, that's called the annuity puzzle. And there are some very smart people, Wade Fow and others, even smarter than him, if that's even possible, which I don't think it is. And Wade, if you're listening, you're probably, there's probably very few people, if anyone, smarter than you. I concede that. But they have all written papers on this. And I read them and it's like, oh my God, this is painful psychology. I don't know why people, why this puzzle exists, but it is true. It's there. And the insurance company wanted to address that. Now... Is it for altruistic reasons like they'd like you to think? No, it's because they want to sell more annuities. But also, as Willie Sutton said, that's where the money is. And why would you buy a variable annuity inside an IRA if the best thing you can get is a death benefit and nobody's spitting nickels over it? And and there's one other aspect to death benefit I'll mention real quickly. Then there was the guaranteed growth death benefits. And they'd be guaranteed to grow your death benefit a certain amount every year. The highest I ever saw, and I won't name the company, was 6% compounding a year. It's pretty damn good. But you had to pay quite a bit for that. Every, every addition you, you have, standard death benefit, what you put in. The highest accumulation value, you would have to pay usually about 30, 40 basis points. The enhanced guaranteed growth that was probably getting close to the 50 to 75 basis points a year. So you were paying for that luxury. But that still wasn't enough to encourage people to buy them. So the insurance company says, we're going to solve the annuity puzzle. People tell us they don't want to buy an income annuity because they worry they'll die and not get their money back. Everybody wants mortality credits. People just don't want to be the ones giving the mortality credits. So they came out with living benefits. At first, they were called guaranteed accumulation. Mm. 
That was the most simple way to do it. And what they would say, guaranteed accumulation uh, amount or something like that, you, you very rarely see uh, guaranteed minimum accumulation value, GMAV. You very rarely see these anymore, but this is the first iteration of what the industry came to call living benefits instead of a death benefit. Now, as the variable annuity market came out with these, sitting off to the side was the fixed market where they're going to fixed annuities, just like variable annuities, except that fixed annuity doesn't give you an investment option. They allow you instead a Stated amount of interest. You get the peace of mind of knowing you'll never lose in a fixed annuity, but your upside potential is capped. They watched the VAs come out with this, and now they have the same. So as I talk about this, it's in fixed and it's in variable now. So the first was the accumulation benefit. And it really worked something of you put money in and X amount of years later, it's usually 10. We guarantee your annuity to be, I've seen beneficial ones where it grows uh, there's one that just uh, came across my screen literally today. They guarantee you in 10 years, you'll have 10% more than what you put in, no matter what the market does. Woohoo, 10% more. So, okay, fine. But that's an accumulation, guaranteed minimum accumulation value or, or something similar to that. There, again, it was cool, but not enough to make people go, oh my God, that's great. But it was starting to address a living benefit. Look, you don't have to die to get this. If this annuity doesn't grow, if the next 10 years is down or flat, you're going to walk away with this minimum amount. That was enticing, maybe enticing enough to let some agents or brokers put more of IRA money, because that's where the money is, into annuities. But then they took it to the next level. And they said, what if we could give you a lifetime stream of income from this annuity without having to do what, Chris? Without having to annuitize and give up rights to that money. Exactly. Keep it a noun, not a verb. And if what I said makes no sense, go back and listen to all the other shows. You're going to keep this a noun. You are not going to do an action. Your money, you can walk away whenever you want. Now, most annuities, if you try to walk away within the first three to 10 years, you're going to pay a penalty. So keep that in mind. And most of the annuity with living benefits, you got to keep it for 10 years or more. And they're going to put a penalty usually for the first seven to 10 years with a living benefit because they don't want you leaving that. And the, the penalty, everybody thinks the penalty goes to the insurance company. It does to a degree. It's to compensate them for, for their, their administrative and the commission they paid the broker selling it to you. But it's also designed to keep you there. They don't want you leaving because it doesn't work if people put money in and out. They're not a bank. They're an insurance company. So that's why the penalty exists. Take it or leave it. It's a fact of life. It will have a penalty phase. But what they would say to you is if you open this annuity and you keep it, here is how we are going to factor in your income benefit. And there's all different ways of factoring it in. And here's what I hate about living benefit riders. They are what, Chris? Would you call them easy, <laughs> no, complex, or just crazy-ass difficult? Mm, probably, probably approaching crazy-ass difficult. Crazy-ass difficult. 
the nuances of how they figure out the income are always explained to you on a simple level, but the devil is truly in the details. Before I go any further, I want everyone to know I have one of these variable annuities with an income benefit. I told everyone for years, I've been telling you, I don't tell the company and I never will. But it had an income benefit that even when I showed Chris years ago, you were like, hey, this is pretty damn good. Yeah. I think they only offered that annuity for a year or less. I don't even mm -hmm. think of it made it a year because yeah. it was damn good. And I bought one and a couple of people I knew bought one and that was it. I have one. I don't use these annuities anymore and I haven't used them for gosh, over 12, 13, 14 years now. I can't even remember because there was a brief period of time where the income benefits and the calculation on it were just, oh my God, there's no way they're going to be able to keep doing this. And I bought one. So just full disclosure there. I'm very cautious on them now, and we don't use them. I, I, again, literally, it's been 12 or 14 years since I've, I've even considered these. But I want you guys to know they exist and why they exist. They exist to help you overcome that mental block and that, that uh, the puzzle, the, the annuity puzzle. Because they're telling you, look, put your money in this deferred annuity. It can be a fixed or variable. Put it in. If it's fixed, here's the interest we're going to give you. If it's variable, it's whatever you purchase with all these investment choices, all these sub-accounts, however they perform. But we guarantee you, irrespective of what your account does, that's the key here, irrespective of if your investments drop in the case of a variable annuity or the fixed annuity, we have to lower the interest rates because in the future, interest rates go down. Your income benefit is guaranteed irrespective of what happens. And then you can purchase that annuity. And if you do, because you pay for this, you're going to pay about 1%, usually between 80 basis points and 100 basis points in a fixed annuity, and usually between 70 basis points and 130 basis points in a variable annuity. These are not cheap benefits. You pay for those benefits. But they can tell you today, they do meet our definition of secure income, because at minimum, we can calculate to the T, Chris, how much they're going to receive at a minimum that they'll receive at some point in the future. True. <laughs> they can always earn more depending on how the annuity performs. But you know at all times the minimum amount of income that you are guaranteed. If you're willing to pay for it, you will know the minimum amount. But here's the thing. Those annuities still, a couple of things, don't pay as much as SPIAs, single premium and median annuities unless you buy them very early. Right. If you can let these types of living benefit annuities, guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefits, I should have said that, GMWB, that's what I'm talking about. The guaranteed minimum, that's it, GMAB, duh. Guaranteed minimum accumulation benefit. There's the paper towels in the back room and I can't remember. Guaranteed minimum accumulation benefit was the first type of living benefit that came out. Before the guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, I'll make quick honorary mention of GMIBs, guaranteed minimum 
income benefits. These types of living benefits still exist. A couple of carriers, they're huge in the GMIB. These look like a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. They talk like a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. They even walk like a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. But Chris, are they a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit? Yes or no? No. No. Now, he doesn't know why, but I knew he'd get that answer. (laughs) Because of the I, Mm -hmm. income benefit. When you buy a GMIB, you've annuitized. You have made an action. However, during the access period you can get your money out. So they look like a minimum withdrawal benefit, but if you read, you'll see, holy moly, after X number of years, I lose access to my money. It's annuitized. You don't in a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. That's why GMIBs never really caught on because... The access period is different than the annuitization date, which I said is usually well into your 90s or even 100, up to 120. The access could be a lot less, could be 12 years, 15 years, 18 years in. It's quite a ways in, I'll concede. But at some point, if, if, if there's any money left in your account, you have to annuitize. You won't get less income. You'll still get the income, but you give up whatever money is left in the annuity. And you might be thinking, what the hell are you talking about, Jim? Let me explain GMWB and what I just said about GMIBs will make sense. In a GMW, GMWB, Guaranteed Minimum Withdrawal Benefit, this type of living benefit is the third phase. You had the accumulation, guaranteed accumulation. Guarantee minimum income benefits. And then the insurance company thought, well, hell, people still don't like them because it's still annuitized at some point. Let's just drop that. I know you don't know these perfectly, Chris, mm-hmm. but you're a very smart man. You truly are. What do you th- think? The, the W is withdrawal. Mm-hmm. What do you think they're simply going to allow you to do? Well, what they're going to do is let you start taking your own money back up to the limit. And as long as you don't exceed the guaranteed minimum level, uh, they will promise to continue to let you take money out. Even after your money is gone, the account value goes to zero. They will then start handing you the insurance company's money to satisfy this guaranteed benefit, this living benefit that they have promised to you. But initially, they're just letting you take your own money out. Exactly. They set... How much they call it the guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit? It's really more like maximum. Yes, it's a little bit misleading. They're telling you ahead of time. Again, Chris and I do, we have clients who use these and have these. We don't sell them. I just, I'm not adverse to offering them again. The living benefits pale in comparison to what I got in 08. It was pretty much 09 and 010. 08 was the the cause of 09 and 10, where these living benefits were just unbelievable. They were trying to deal with, with market corrections and trying to sell a lot of annuities back then. The income benefits today pale in comparison to what you could get back then. And I just don't see a benefit to them. But anyways, I feel you should understand how they work because, folks, these are the number one selling type of annuity in the country. Annuities with guaranteed minimum 
withdrawal benefits. Not the accumulation benefits, not the GMIB's income benefits, withdrawal benefits. And if you are going to be pushed in annuity, it is most likely going to be a fixed indexed annuity with a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit or a variable annuity with a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. Few advisors push single premium immediate annuities. Chris, why is that? Well, it's the sad reality of low compensation does not incentivize salespeople to sell many of those things. Exactly. He hit the nail on the head. Yes, that sounds cynical. When we put a client in a SPIA, I am lucky to earn about 1% to 1.5% on that. You put a client in a guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, you will either get 7% up front as a commission or about 1% per year as a quote-unquote administrative fee. They are far more valuable to agents and brokers selling them. I think if they didn't pay that much, I think a lot of people would look at single premium immediate annuities. Do you want 1%, 1.5%, maybe 2-ish, once, or 1% forever? Yet a commission product is vilified. Oh, my God. You got 2% to put someone in a spear, you evil, vile SOB. Look at me. I'm pure as the driven snow. I put my client in this annuity. Oh, and by the way, I get 1% a year. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's the cynic in us. But back to how they work, because they are 90% of the income market. People love them, and they love them for one reason. It's not a verb. It's a noun. And I have an income benefit. This is wonderful. I could have my cake and eat it too. So what happens with them? We do consider these secure income because Chris can sit there and know, okay, our client is going to work to age seven. I'm just making this all up, folks. Our client is going to work to 73 when their RMDs begin. He can pretty much know what they're going to get at 70 because he's an expert in Social Security or very knowledgeable in Social Security. I hate to use the word expert, but he's very knowledgeable in Social Security. He can estimate what they're going to get at 70. We can also sit there and look at the guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. They're guaranteeing you the minimum income that you're going to receive. You can always get more, hence the name minimum withdrawal benefit. But it's really the maximum withdrawal benefit you can take out. It just is worded the guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit, which is the maximum amount you can take out, as you'll see in a minute. Chris can always figure out the minimum. It's contractually guaranteed. You can only get more. So we know that, and it never drops. You have to be careful, though. There are some of these. That's, there are some of these. Be very careful. They will pay you a crazy amount. Well, I say crazy, but they'll pay you even more but only for a certain number of years, and then it drops. you got to be careful on those. There's a lot of crappy ones out there. So be careful when you buy these. You understand how they work. But for the most part, you will know how much you can withdraw every year at whatever age you turn it on. It's all laid out for you. So people like that, and they say, wow, I'm 63. If I put money in this as a 63-year-old, at 73, when my RMDs begin, I am guaranteed a certain amount of money, and here it is. 
If that secure income amount matches your shortage of what you need, would you have a problem with someone buying this, Chris, if they truly wanted it? No. No, just I think the biggest issue with any of these is does it really align with what you're trying to achieve? And sometimes there is alignment there. It can make perfect sense to people. Absolutely. So if you've done your homework and all you VG do-it-yourselfers you would, you've spoken to the agent or the broker or the advisor, depending on what channel you're buying this through, you fully understand the product, you understand the minimum withdrawal benefit, you know if you put it in at 63, at 73, the minimum you're going to be offered is set contractually and it serves your purpose, and you like it because it's a noun and not a verb, I have no problem with you doing it. But what I'm trying to explain is, dollar for dollar, you would get more from a single premium immediate annuity if you took for 10 years and put that money in a regular investment on your own and grew it without the fees and expenses of these annuities which can be quite high. In the case of variable annuities, approaching 25 to 3.5%. Fixed annuities knock off about 100 basis points from that. But they're still expensive. Maybe just investing on your own and buying a SPIA in 10 years would probably give you more money than the guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. In fact, I can guarantee you well, I won't say guarantee, but I can promise you, I can assure you is a better way of wording it. You probably will get more from the spear, even in 10 years. That's the issue. But anyways, I digress. These appeal to people because they get the verb without making it a verb. They get a guaranteed stream of income, the minimum amount, but they don't have to annuitize. In other words, at first, all's what you're getting is your own money. Let's just say you put 100000 in, and in 10 years it grew to 300000 That's a pretty damn good return, but just follow me around. It, it probably wouldn't, not in a variable annuity with all those fees. But you put in 100000 it grew to 300000 in 10 years. And you start withdrawing whatever dollar amount they're, they're going to be giving you. Let's just say it's 25000 a year, just making these numbers up. You start withdrawing your 25000 It comes from your own 300000 The insurance company is under no risk whatsoever. There's no mortality credits in this. You're on your own. You're flying on your own. That's why you're going to get less income. You're going to get less income because the fees are higher, and you're going to get less income because there's no mortality credits. But the insurance company also has absolutely no risk. They've been debiting fees from you since 10 years back. It might take another 8, 10, 12, 15 years before eventually your annuity reaches zero. And the insurance company's actuaries have this figured out that most people will be dead by time it reaches zero. But if you are one of them that are still alive, and you very well may be, if you are a higher net worth listener, you take good care of yourself, this could be a product for you. I'm not trying to rule them out. During the withdrawal period, you can call it off at any time if you want. You lose your income. You can't take all the money out of the annuity, whatever's left, rather, and, and get the income. You say, hey, insurance company, I started this at 73. I'm now 83. I only got two years left max to live. 
I don't need the secure income anymore. I have $78,000 left in this. Give me all 78. I concede these products allow you to do that. A single premium immediate annuity does not. And that's why these appeal to people. But you will be consigning yourself to less income. And once your annuity reaches zero, your income stays at those lower levels as opposed to if you bought a SPIA and you got the mortality credits. And during the deferral period, you invested in low-cost, passively managed index funds at Vanguard or Fidelity or wherever you happen to be with 10 basis points or less of annual fees. And you grew that without the drag of a 100 basis point rider fee. If you bought it through a broker, probably a 1.3% um, M&E fee. Um, yeah, M&E fee. Uh, mortality and expense fee is what they call it. I couldn't remember what M was. M&E fee, usually about 1.3% on a broker sold annuity, plus the 1% rider fee, plus probably 70 to 90 basis points on the sub-account fee. You start looking at all these fees and the broker sold ones, you're like, oh my God, there's no way this annuity's balance is going to grow as much as I could grow this on my own. And it's that higher dollar amount in 10 years when you're now 73. Maybe instead of having 300000 in there, you've got 396000 because you didn't have all those fees. And maybe to buy a SPIA, it's only going to cost you 178000 That's what I'm trying to get at. And you have all those extra dollars. Those remain. You could just leave that off to the side. If it's all in an annuity, in these withdrawal annuities, if you live long enough and you got all your money out, minus all the fees that they're taking, yes, they'll continue to pay you, but those lower dollar amounts for the rest of your life. It's only a benefit if you die before they run out. Is that worth it? Or should you invest the dollars on your own? And keep that flexibility. And maybe in 73, you don't need the guaranteed income. Now, the insurance people will tell you that's the brilliance of the withdrawal annuity, Jim. They can keep it for 10 years. Most penalty periods are 7 to 10 years on these withdrawal annuities. So the penalty phase is over, Jim. They can walk away if they don't need the income. I'll concede that. But you probably have a far lower account balance because of all the fees than you would have had if you just put that money off to the side and said, I'm going to buy a spear with that. Anyways, Chris, I don't want to beat this horse to death, but I'm just trying to get people to understand there are annuities that exist to address the annuity puzzle. And for those of you who can't get over the fact that I give up access to this money, and that just freaks you out, but you like having lifetime secure income, there are annuities that exist to help you. And we'll talk deeper on another show because we're still going to do more annuity shows, not right away, but maybe in another month or two. Okay. But in case there's advisors listening and you're screaming, what about advisor annuities? What about advisor annuities for RIAs, registered investment advisors? True, there are new annuities that are distributed 
through registered investment advisors like my firm. We're RIA. Chris and I's firm is a registered investment advisory firm. We can sell annuities that do not pay us a commission. Now, they're still going to have penalty periods if you put one of these income benefit riders on them. They'll still have a penalty period. The income benefit riders, the living benefit rider, will still have a fee. Those aren't for free. But they do have lower fees. The M&E fee, the, the mortality and expense fee, is significantly lower, usually around 30 basis points to 70 basis points on an advisor-sold annuity. Excuse me, annuity. There will be more low-cost sub-accounts in those as well. But the rider fee for the living benefits are usually the same as a broker or an RIA-sold annuity. But there's one fee that is usually added to these, Chris. And what is that? Well, there's the at the wholesaler. No, no, no. Uh, think of the advisor. Oh, yeah. Most of these are sold, and they will bundle it up with the rest of the assets you're managing and take the value of that annuity included in their 1% AUM, AUM fee. Yep. So even though the M&E fee, the M&E fee is called mortality and expense fee, folks. It's really, it's usually one point something on a broker sold annuity. That one is what goes to the broker and the brokerage firm they're working for. The point something is usually what goes to the insurance company. That is a fairly accurate statement. So on a advisor-sold annuity, the M&E fee is a lot lower. You can subtract out the one. They're usually 30, 40, 50 basis points. Much lower. But then you throw the advisor fee of 1% or whatever they charge. Maybe they're even charging more. Maybe they're going to charge you 1.3, or maybe they'll charge you less, 70. There's still 70 basis points. There's still going to be an advisor fee thrown on top of that. So true, the fees are lower, but there's an advisor fee thrown on top. So these annuities do exist. They work the same way. They're just distributed differently. But anyways, that's the solution to the annuity puzzle that the insurance company came up with. They'll tell you it was solely to solve the annuity puzzle. Give people what they want, the cake, and let them eat it too. Give them a lifetime stream of guaranteed income, but also allow them to call the deal off at any time before the annuity runs out. And final thing before I wrap up, guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefit. If you take more, and I know you don't know these too well, Chris, but what do you think happens if they tell you you can take out $10,000 a year at age 73? What do you think happens if you take out 15000 Well, it blows up the promise. You've basically violated the contract, if you will, or that rider. And I don't know, do they recalculate it at less? Yes. That's what I don't absolutely. know. Absolutely. And here's mm-hmm. how it normally works. But you have to, everyone is different. You've got to really understand what happens if you take out more without closing the entire contract and just walking away. You just sit there one day and say, you know, I, I know I'm allowed to take 10000 out, but I need fifteen this year. Give me another five. five if, if, the, if the minimum was 10 and you took out 15, you took 50% more. And your future payments can drop by 50%. That's one way that they work. 
Another way is they'll look at it relative to your account balance. Let's say by then your 300000 is now worth 150000 And you took 5000 extra out. 5000 to 150000 is what, Chris? I can't do the math in my head. 3-ish, 4%, so probably about 3-ish percent. 5000 to one fifty. Yeah. Is three, yeah, like three and two, three okay. and two thirds. Your payments will drop mm-hmm. by that. It's all different. It's usually as a percentage of the withdrawal that you're taking out. The more terrible ones are the ones that say, hey, you took out 50% more income, your future payments forever drop by 50%. That's a terrible one. The ones that will compare it to your account balance might not be too bad unless you're down to 150000 and you want seventy five of that. You just took half of your account balance. Your income drops by half forever. So you got to understand, minimum, if you take out more, it all blows up. They're all different. I gave very broad examples here. So if you're an advisor who sell these, don't say, you idiot. It's not how mine works. I get it. All insurance companies are different. You need to know these nuances. These are a very complex type of annuity. They're going to be explained to you as if there is easy to understand a slice bread, open bag, pull out butter. They're going to come across like that. But they're far more complex. How the hell did that bread get made? How did they cut it so evenly? How did they get it into that little plastic bag and wrap it up with just the right amount of air? That's a very complex process. Taking the bread out and putting butter on it, that's easy. They're only going to tell you about that part, not everything else. It's understanding how these work. And that's the biggest complaint you see on these. People buy something. And it works totally different than the way they thought because they're so complex. Anyways, those are how you can address annuities inside IRAs, get the income, and that's how you can address the annuity puzzle with these annuities. As you can see, I'm not a huge fan of these, so I am biased and I freely admit that. But we are not against people doing this. I still feel investing the money off to the side in low-cost index options and letting the older you decide if they need an annuity and if so, buy a single premium media annuity makes the most sense. If you want these, though, the earlier you buy them, the more money you get. If you bought one at age 73, you will get far less guaranteed income than if you bought it at 63 kept it in the annuity for 10 years, and then took it out at 73. And do you know why, Chris, and put your cynic hat on, do you know why you get more in the latter and not the former? Mm. The insurance company got to take their fee out for 10 extra years. Oh, that's true. So they get to give you, or to entice you to Mm. buy them earlier. And delay the income. That, that's the trick here, folks. They want you to buy them earlier. So they show you. Well, here's how much you get if you bought this at age 73. But, ooh, if you bought this at 63 and you're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, I'm getting a hell of a lot more money. Well, they get to take fees from you for the first 10 years that they weren't getting. 
And then these are all actuarially designed to, just like most annuities, so I'm not throwing these types under the bus, they know about half of you will be dead before your account balance reaches zero, and they got to collect fees on you for a very, very long time. So keep in mind, if you want to get the maximum from guaranteed minimum withdrawal benefits, you've got to buy them usually about a decade. I've seen some that are pretty damn good after seven years, some that takes a good 12 or more years. So a decade is about the sweet spot, buying them 10 years before. And the selling is, you're not annuitized, you can close this and and walk away, and in 10 years there's no penalty, or usually 7 to 10 years for the penalties, and you can get out, no harm, no foul. That's very, very appealing. But so is just putting that money off to the side, investing it in low-cost index funds, and then in 7 to 10 years deciding what to do. I'm done. Nice. (laughs) Well, I think that was a good capper to uh, EDU shows for Annuity Awareness Month, so... We cleaned up a few things we hadn't talked about yet this month. We've talked about most of this stuff at certain times, but everything was kind of packed in to uh, the last few shows. Um, if any questions have come up about this, you know, we can always handle some questions even past the month of June that happen to be related to annuities. We do answer questions on the Q&A show. We'll not have a dedicated EDU show on annuities for a while. We'll diverge into something else related to retirement planning. But, uh, yeah, you can always send Questions into the Q&A show email there is jim at jimhelps.com. That's jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. So thanks for sticking through us. If you hate annuities, this was a painful month for you, but we're on to other things now. So thanks, Jim, for for dumping. Uh, I, you know, what I've absorbed about annuities mostly has come from, come from chatting with Jim about this over the years. I've not ever spent any significant time focusing on annuities myself. So I know just enough to get in trouble. So it's uh, quite a benefit to the firm to have Jim here with all that he's absorbed. And and honestly, I think Jim absorbed most of it because he was annoyed with the opaqueness of annuities and made it his mission to understand them so that he could figure them out himself. No, no, you know, I I will give me two more minutes, folks. Because I like where you went with that, and I appreciate your kind words. And this is not scripted. This is totally Chris, and I do appreciate that. It was, yes, I was annoyed with the opaqueness of it, but it wasn't. It was Frank Santos who told me, I question everything. And I was told I should hate annuities. And I wanted to know why. At BU, when I was studying, I studied in, gosh, I passed the CFP in 96, and I did it over a year and a half, so I probably entered, what, mid-94-ish, right in the heart of the bull market. And I will, BU was great, and they're one of the pioneers in the CFP program, as you know, Chris. Mm-hmm. BU is Boston University, for those who don't know. And I admire what I learned, but I fault them to this day. They just told us to hate annuities. They just never told us why. They really taught us that. Nope, nope, annuities. I question it. When somebody tells me to hate something or love something, I want to know why. And that's why I kept trying to learn about annuities. Why am I supposed to hate them? 
And this is Boston University told us that we, we talked about this before real quick. The three-legged stool we were taught at Boston University. I don't even know if you guys still teach the three-legged stool. But we were told when I was studying the three-legged stool for retirement was Social Security, pension, and savings. And then we were told that the pension part of that stool has been weakened and is gone because of 401ks. And we were taught retirement planning was to put all your money in the S&P, I kid you not, and do a withdrawal from that. But I always sat there and thought, I can recreate a pension. I shared that with you. How can you tell me in one breath, pensions are wonderful, and in another breath, I'm to hate annuities, and an annuity is really a form of a pension. And it just made no sense. And every time an annuity wholesaler came to see me, they only loved annuities. They never said anything bad about the damn things. So I had the wholesalers telling me they are great, and I had the investment world telling me they stink to high heaven, and I should be collecting client assets. And back when I started, charging outrageous commissions of five and three quarters percent to sell a A share mutual fund is going to be better. I wanted to know the truth. And the truth is, folks, annuities are neither great or evil. They are a tool. And I have decided, in my biased opinion, a single premium immediate annuity is the simplest, fairest, most cost-efficient way of guaranteeing lifetime income. But it does come with a huge matzo ball. And that is you lose access to the money. But the older you, just like George in my initial story, had no problem. No problem. It was, I can't remember the exact amount. Let's say a quarter of a million. No problem putting a quarter of a million in this. He wanted all the benefits. That's a hard thing to overcome. So the withdrawal annuities came out. And I look at them cynically because that's the way I am. You all heard the story, if not, go back and listen, where I talked about what Frank Santos said to me. I question everything, folks. It drives Rachel nuts, the woman I'm dating. It's the one that she hasn't left me yet. You guys don't know me. You know me, but you don't know me. Chris knows me. I question everything. Everything. It's just the way I'm wired. And all that I'm trying to do is give you guys the information to make a clear decision. Yes, I admit this podcast, you probably sensed my bias against withdrawal annuities, but we would never dissuade someone who says, Jim, I get it. I get your concerns. This is for me, though. Fine. We would never talk anyone out of it, nor would we ever talk anyone into buying a spear at 78 and we're showing them they have a shortage and the 78-year-old said, I'm not comfortable with that. Okay, no problem. You've got the assets. You put the money aside. The younger you put the money aside. It's there. Let's satisfy the shortage with a withdrawal strategy. You wouldn't dissuade someone from that, would you, Chris? No, but I would let them know that using that approach means they are taking on some longevity risk that they could otherwise offload to the insurance company, which is the whole point of secure income. But if people are convinced that that trade-off makes sense for them, then you know we put together a plan aligned with their goals. Right. And if you're an advisor listening to this, you're probably sitting this, and you know annuities, you're probably sitting and say, Jim, this, there's a lot you missed. Exactly. I had an hour, and I probably went over. I didn't have enough time to get deep into these withdrawal annuities. There's a lot to them. 
So if you are considering them, make sure you drill your uh, investment advisor representative. If you're buying one that's distributed on the RIA channel, make sure you talk to the broker if you're buying one through the brokerage channel. And if you're buying a fixed annuity, make sure you talk to your agent because agents, insurance agents, will sell fixed annuities because by law they cannot sell variable annuities because they don't have a securities license. Make sure whichever person you are buying the annuities from you question them. And I'll leave it at that and let people know, especially the listener who sent us a pretty cool question. What questions, he asked, should I ask someone I'm buying an annuity from? Very good. And we'll try answering that on our last Q&A show. If not, we'll answer it at some point uh, over the coming months. Sounds good. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening through this. And uh, I don't know what the topic will be, but we will be with you again next week with a brand new show. You have listened to Jim on the radio, read his quotes in the media, and enjoyed his banter on iTunes. But even now, you may wonder what sets Jim Salmier and Associates apart from other financial planning companies. The answer is quite simple. Jim's diverse team of professionals specializes in retirement planning. They form a lifelong relationship with you and measure their success not through product sales, but through the security and prosperity you may achieve in your retirement. Jim's entire team shares his unwavering commitment to placing their clients' best interests first while offering their services at fair prices with full disclosures. The professionals at Jim Saulnier and Associates are available to assist you with your retirement planning needs. Visit jimhelps.com to schedule your complimentary coffee and a second opinion meeting. That's Jim, H-E-L-P-S dot com. Or call 970-530-0556. The Retirement and IRA Show represents the words and views of the show hosts exclusively and should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. All information is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. All economic and performance information is historical in nature and is not indicative of any future results. Any indices mentioned on the show are unmanaged and cannot be invested indirectly. Diversification and asset allocation strategies do not assure profit or protect against loss. Never make any investment or financial decisions based on information offered on this show without first consulting your financial, legal, or tax advisor. Financial planning services offered through Jim Solnier & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor. 